0: Bruce Cook is honored to have you join his conversations with people committed to talking with heart and brain functions in full operating gear. No spin, no agenda, just authentic conversation on just about anything. Welcome to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Reliving a ride-along with LAPD in South L.A., talking racial struggles, gang violence, and economic disparity fueling bold smash-and-grab robberies in retail stores. Will Donald Trump show up for the first Republican presidential candidates debate? All this and so much more with businessman and legendary LA restaurateur Ron Salisbury, celebrating 100 years in his family-run business El Cholo, raising $1 million for children's cancer research. The Bruce Cook Conversation with your host, Bruce Cook. Trending now. Here's your host, Bruce Cook. Brought to you by the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute at Hode.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, radio family, Angels Radio, AMA 30 listeners, it's Bruce Cook. I really like the way that intro sounds, it makes me sound like I'm really important. It's Bruce Cook on the radio. I'm not that important, but I'm sure happy to be here. I'm especially happy tonight with all the rain all over Southern California, the storm. And you know what? I'm happy for all of our, our government people that have made sure that everybody's safe and have really ramped up the precautions. Personally, I think it had a lot to do with the fact that there was such a tragedy in, in Maui uh, two weeks ago. And... Uh, All of our our first responders and our government officials and our mayors all had their antenna up to make sure that if this storm was treacherous, that there would be very little, very little loss of life and damage. Anyway, it seems to be that so. Uh, It is now six o'clock on Sunday night all over Southern California, and I am live in the studio. I made it here. I made the trip in no time at all, and I'm here with my friend and co-host who did the same thing. We both drove in from reasonably far away, and you know what? It was kind of like the days of COVID. There was no traffic. There was no traffic, and uh, can't complain about that. And fortunately, we didn't encounter any accidents or bad scenes, and I know there have been some out there. So to all of you who have had any kind of suffering, uh, we wish you all the best, and we wish you no more suffering until this rain passes, and we continue with the end of our summer. With that, I've got my good friend and co-host Ron Salisbury in studio tonight. And as you know, because Ron's been on this program before, and and you know him because he's he's in the media. People, he is the heir and um, and chief operating officer, and God knows what other title I could place on him to the very famous Southern California legend El Cholo restaurants and also other restaurants that he owns, and two very special ones in Newport Beach, the Cannery and Louis by the Bay. Anyway, Ron has got a really special thing going. It's the 100th anniversary of his family-owned restaurant in Los Angeles, El Cholo, which began on Western Avenue. We're going to talk about all of this in our hour together, but we're also going to mix in a whole lot of other stuff that really matters to me, to Ron, and hopefully to all of you listening. For one thing, we're going to start by saying hello to Ron, and I'm going to bring up a tough subject right off the bat. Ron, please say hello to the radio listeners tonight.
2: Um, Bruce, I'm always happy to be here. Anytime I talk to you offline or on the radio, it's a a treat. I look forward to tonight uh, a lot.
1: Well, you are you are an institution, and you are a very good friend, and I respect you. you very much. I'm always happy to have you on the show. Likewise. May you live long and prosper. Anyway, I understand that you went on a ride-along with LAPD not long ago.
2: Correct. Tell me about it. Well, that's quite an experience. I wish everyone could do it. You'd get a great appreciation for what the police go through. I know they take a lot of... Uh, a lot of guff nowadays for what's going on, but uh, when I ride around with them, I see how careful they are to to take care of the people that they're they run into all the time I never saw any offense I never saw any brutality I saw a lot of care for really trying to isolate a lot of the kids in the area who have some glimmer of hope of getting out there and they do everything they have a well, to start with they have a program there that uh, when they identify kids and they say if you will maintain a 4.0 grade point you don't get pregnant you don't use drugs that we there'll be an officer assigned to you from the third grade through the twelfth grade, and we will find a, a scholarship for you in a college. And they told me they were getting full scholarships to TCU, Tufts, some of the major universities. How long has this been in place? Oh, this has been in place for years. I, I know. It's, I know. I ran across this years ago when I had How a similar How do we not know there. this? Because I, I don't know. Those good good things like that don't get publicized.
1: So let me let me repeat.
2: An officer is
1: assigned to a particular kid or a group? Correct.
2: He's their mentor. And for, for the next, you know, all that period, they watch him. They, they guide him. We actually were taken to one of the children's homes. This, it was interesting. Before we went on the ride around, we were taken to the family's home. Well, they have two children in this program. We went to the home. The mother fixed some great Mexican food for us. and the two Better than yours? Pardon?
1: Better than your Mexican food?
2: Actually, we we just added a mole enchilada to our to our mark uh, to our menu, <laughs> and uh, it was not as good as hers. I have to say.
1: <laughs> All right, don't we shouldn't tell people that.
2: <laughs> there's but, but there's nothing like home cooking, and uh, a lot of love goes in it. But uh, and I find out this young, smiling, cheerful young lady who was in part of the program two days before had a gun at her head. Someone's I don't know what they're doing, but she survived that. So this is what those young kids, even the good ones, go through. So, here's the tough question, uh-huh. With what you're describing, why is there so
1: much police hatred in those communities? Where does it come from, and how do we stop it?
2: I think you and I know the answer to that. it's a, It's a popular thing to put the police down and get rid of them. and i uh, I'm trying I know I there's a smash and grab thing going on now. And the mayor has named a special task force to deal with it. I thought that's what the police do. That's what they do in a normal thing, but instead of naming a task force, and who knows what's associated with that?
1: Is that just a political stunt? Task force? What is a task force? It's a bunch of people well, getting paid money to sit around and come up with a plan.
2: Far be it for me to judge, but I think that's probably a good opportunity chance. That's what it is. Uh, we we had, you know, I talked about earlier. We uh, in 1994, um, there was a similar situation with the police. And uh, they're being put down. And we thought, how is a restaurant company, can we send a message to police that there are a lot of citizens behind them? Because the same situation existed. Not as bad as it is today, but it still existed. So I came up with the idea that uh, I run into so many people say, you know, someday I'm going to own a restaurant. It's their fantasy. So I thought, we'll play on the fantasy. And we will ask everyone to put a dollar in an envelope. And then when we get enough dollars, we can buy a police car and donate it to the police. We can go on television, hand the keys to the mayor, and the message will get out there. And then we'll draw one of those names out, and that person will own El Cholo for a day. So we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I was telling you, Bruce, earlier, uh, I wouldn't dare do that today because we'd, we'd lose half of our clientele. Can you be more specific? How so?
1: Why? Why do you think you'd lose half your clientele from doing something like that? Is it just because there's so much animosity towards the police? Or I think is so. There I, think, I think
2: the media has has created such a bad thing. Again, they're not telling the real story. Or what I see, of course, there's bad people. There's bad people everywhere, but the vast, vast majority, as we always said, the vast majority are wonderful people. There's an officer there who's been doing this for twenty three years. I think I shared with you earlier. We, I, when we did the ride around, we'd ride around these young kids, and they stand on the curb and they would uh, do obscenities with their hands and and yell obscenities at the police officer and call them pigs. Now, for twenty three years, every night you get out and you drive around, and that's what you're subjected to.
1: Especially well, when you're also spending time with this youth mentoring yeah. program, and what is that? What do you think is going through the mind of that policeman who spends? An enormous amount of his or her time helping those kids with this, with this, uh, mentoring them so they have those scholarships, and yet there are those kids. And are we talking teenagers? Are we talking young people? Or are we talking te-
2: kids? Te- teenagers, and I, I maybe maybe it's this program that enables them to help kids who really, are, uh, you know, if anybody is entitled to be helped, it's some of these kids that really have that promise. Maybe it's the fact that they can do that and they have this positive vibe. Maybe that's what keeps them doing the job. I hope so. Has it gone
1: out of bounds, Ron, in your opinion? Is it so far gone that yes. it's going to be impossible to come back? What, what
2: do you What do you see in that? Well, I hate the word impossible, but uh, it's going to be extremely difficult, and it's progressing more and more difficult all the time. How does it change
1: the city of Los Angeles that you have lived in for your entire life, multi-generational family that has lived there, is it going to take a generation or two to come back to some sort of a peaceful coexistence?
2: Uh, a generation or two. Or ever? <laughs> uh, I, I I I wanna be a positive about this. Don't uh, be
1: positive, be be your smart, I, I smart that, direct self.
2: I don't want to be when these kind of people said we're well, we're doomed, we're headed down, you know, down this rabbit hole. Um, but it's gonna be real difficult. I and, mean, but the, the old pendulum swinging thing, is that going to happen if people rise up? I, I think the vast majority of people want good. They want they recognize what's good and and they're going to do it. But it's you and know, I think I think it's a minority, a very vocal minority that tells because the press is so prevalent today that so why has why has the larger population
1: of good people let this happen? Why know. does that vocal minority run the show? And going back to what we started talking about a few minutes ago with the violence in the, in the underserved communities towards the police, as you brought up, every time the media exploits a police shooting, which unfortunately – very unfortunately and very tragically are often seen as very questionable based on what media coverage is given – it sends shockwaves through the public, and and it's, it's almost ir- irretrievable in terms of finding that good place.
2: Well, uh, the L.A. Times, which is the number one newspaper in the community, uh, you pick it up, and I don't ever read anything positive about a police shooting. It's always a negative. Uh, that's the biggest voice in the community, so— and I think the, you know, the vast majority of people just just want to live their lives. They're not going to stick their neck out. They're not going to say And they probably feel, whatever I say, nobody's going to listen.
1: I don't know. To a degree, I would say you're right. But let's talk about guns on the street. What did you see on your police ride around? Did you, what did the police tell you about the guns on the street?
2: Well, we were driving around, and it was one of the biggest things we saw was that we, the gangs would gather in certain areas, and we're driving down the street, and here's this vast number of gang members gathering in groups, and they meet there every night. He told me, he said, they have, uh, in, in the gangs, they have the ones that deal with the uh, shootings and, and robberies. They have the ones who deal with drugs, and it's even broken down. It's a very well-organized thing. And I, I asked him, I said, well, don't you feel these guys... Maybe some random snipers going, "Oh yeah, he says, I get shot at occasionally here." And I thought, I'm driving around this car and we might get shot at, and you take it just as a uh, you know routine thing.
1: Pretty pathetic. The gang situation, I think is has gotten so bad that obviously there's a great deal of violence between between the gangs. And you know what else? It's also a racial component. The African American gangs. The Hispanic gangs—they're not friends. No, and it's a societal problem. It's a cultural problem, and not to be—not to be the great sociological expert here, but just from a lay standpoint of of watching how what's happened. This racial, uh, what's the word? This racial hostility that has become so exaggerated in recent years. How much does it have to do with the fact that – and I ask you this, obviously being uh, very involved in the Hispanic world and this Hispanic culture.
2: and I'm half Hispanic, so. <laughs> and
1: being half Hispanic and half coca- – what is it? Half English, <laughs> yes. Salisbury. Yeah. Um, the large influx of Hispanic and Latin migrants over the last 40 years – has caused, and caused is the wrong word, but has created a larger economic gap for the African-American community because the Hispanic people have taken many of the jobs that were filled by African-American people starting out their lives, and those jobs aren't there anymore. It's made their poverty even worse. It's made the government involvement in their poverty even more drastic and has turned these people mostly African-American people, into slaves to the government.
2: Yes. Well, I, when I drove around South, there's no way possible any of those young kids were employable. They, don't, they have to steal to exist. Because nobody, they say, we should should create jobs to hire these kids. But the way they dress, the way they behave, the way they talk, you couldn't hire them, which is a shame. Because, well, well, one of the young ladies who is in the program, who is really outstanding, I ran into her and I said, right away, I said, do you want a job? And she said, you want to hire me? And I said, yes. I said, anybody who's doing what you're doing at your age. I mean you, be, be you, more specific. What was she doing that impressed you? She she was the one that's in the program that she had to, you know with the program where they're going to get scholarships and and the, and the police were watching her. She was 16, but I thought if you're in this and you're living up the standards that that, uh, the, that you have to for the police I want because you're going to be a jewel to come work for us and, and and besides that it's an opportunity she never worked so it's an opportunity for us to help her get some work skills which is really important that, work has, skills. that
1: every every child no matter what color what race what yeah. anything has to learn yeah how old was this woman young 16, girl 16 okay so she was just starting out yeah what was her response when you said i'd like to hire you
2: she kept looking at me. why would you want to hire me
1: what's the matter with I you i said why, why Who wouldn't are I? you <laughs> Who are you, you you <laughs> El Cholo man? Yeah. <laughs> Who are you going to hire? Did she accept the job, or uh, the opportunity, she, or she's thinking about?
2: It? No, she she canceled her interview. She says to come back the next week. So I'm going to keep pressing her. Sometimes they're a little concerned about it and frightened about it, but I'm going to keep pressing her because she needs it. Interesting. Yeah.
1: Ron, it's time for our first uh, commercial break. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to radio today. I hope you're really listening because you shouldn't be driving. And you're probably at home, and we're having a great time here in the studio, and we hope you are too. We're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna be right back.
3: Family Neurosciences Institute, the Hogue Epilepsy Program is accredited by the National Association of Epilepsy Centers as a Level 4 Epilepsy Center. This means that our experts provide the highest level care for patients with complex epilepsy. Our patient-centered approach to epilepsy treatment combined with state-of-the-art technology, including robotics and laser ablation, ensure the best possible outcomes for our patients. To learn more or for an evaluation, call 949-966-0243 or visit hoge.org forward slash epilepsycare. What you wanna do about it, we the yeah. looking at me That's alright. And we are
1: back. I'm Bruce beat. Cook. It's the conversation live tonight on Angels Radio, AM 830 klaa i A A. I'm here tonight with Ron Salisbury, who is my co-host tonight. We're talking about a lot of stuff. We're talking about we're talking about all these smash and grab horrible robberies that we're experiencing. We're talking about police and defunding the police and police dealing in inner-city problems. We're dealing with some heavy things for a, a good friend who runs a restaurant for 100 years. But he's got a lot of experience, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a lot of wisdom, and, and that's something that we're missing in our culture today. Listen, I'm going to open up the phone lines. If you've been listening at home in this rainy night... And you feel like talking on air tonight? We're open. We want you to join us. The phone number here at the studio is 714 830 You know that because you call in all the time. 714 And the question as we start our segment together with Ron, I want to go back to the smash and grab that we were talking about a little bit in the first quarter. What do you think is the answer, ladies and gentlemen, and what do you think is the answer, Ron? We talked about a task force, we talked about the police, but how is this stopped? And again, I bring up the racial question of people that have nothing, that think it's okay to just take it because everybody else has it, they see it in the media, they see it on television, they hear about it all the time, they... Everybody has everything, and and why shouldn't I? Is that is that a good enough excuse to be breaking into stores and just taking whatever you want? And why why is this happening? And why isn't society saying stop? Ron, share first, and let's see if anybody wants to join us. Well,
2: without getting too negative again, it's uh, I just wonder if it's so prevalent the the feeding of. Uh, Homelessness, the amount of homelessness, the amount of people who really are all gang members who have given up all hope of life, who see that only there's so many people like that. It's kind of hard to put the genie back in the bottle. Uh, that's a tough question. Uh, you know, arresting people and putting them in jail is one answer, but that's that's going to create a lot of issues too. But we have to we have to create some sense of of uh, justice
1: uh, in Los Angeles. Uh the district attorney, Mr. Gascon, is saying that the, the jails are overcrowded and we should not incarcerate nonviolent criminals, and so bail has been eliminated.
2: Yeah.
1: It's not the same in Orange County. District Attorney Spitzer says, there is bail and we're going to arrest you. There's a cultural divide, and there's also a population divide. There's an ethnic divide. Uh but these two areas are neck-and-neck and back-to-back, neck and, back. and these problems are happening in both counties that we're talking to tonight on the radio. People have got to be fed up with this. What if you were shopping at a, at a, a shopping center like uh, uh, where the, the uh, Nordstrom yeah. uh, event took place in Los Angeles recently, okay. and you witnessed that? How would you feel, and would you be compelled to act
2: well, act, they tell everybody you can't. Uh, again, when I was, here's a simple thing. When I was at the police thing the other night, with the first introduction, we go into a room where they have all these screens and showing um, uh, the cameras around the around the community. And he said, watch this. And just then a young man walked into a 7-Eleven store, walked over and helped himself with what he wanted from the refrigerator and walked out. And he said, this young man comes in every day. They've told him you cannot interfere with people who are stealing. And he comes in and just gets gets his lunch and walks out every day. And that's prevalent. So when that, uh, you know, not stopping them exists, then they're going to walk, say, hey, this is my free store to get stuff. So, um, You brought up a, diff- a
1: difficult example, and I'll tell you why. Uh-huh. There is a big difference between somebody that's hungry going in and stealing a sandwich or their lunch and a gang of 10 people that drive up in Mercedes-Benz, Audis, and and uh, fast cars that all get out at the same time and then take $100,000 worth of merchandise. The example that you brought up, though, is dangerous or it's difficult because he comes in every day and does it. It's Mm -hmm. not somebody who once in a while is hungry and needs a loaf of bread or a sandwich or whatever they take, which also shouldn't necessarily be excused, but certainly in a humanistic uh, viewpoint, it's understandable.
2: In different levels, d- it's, very different it's Just levels. the wrong thing is happening. Some not quite so bad, and some horrific. Um,
1: but where does it stop? Where does it stop if we say it's okay to steal? What happened to the Ten Commandments? It's <laughs> not okay to steal.
2: No. Uh, Period.
1: Even uh, if you're poor, it's not okay to steal.
2: So we created an atom bomb when, for right or wrong, when we needed to, and that was a huge. Putting together best minds, when we needed to put a rocket to the moon, we created that. And but there's none of, I, you see nothing of taking the best minds in this country and really addressing how we can solve this. And this is a bigger problem than the other problems. So. Until that happens, until it's united with the best minds, and then they really attack and say, first of all, we start to build on the good people like the young kids there in South Central who are getting the scholarships. Until we start to build on those and expand that and make more and more people benefiting and participating in our, the, good, the good part that is America and the society we have and helping them to have better lives. And then maybe, and then stamping on the people who're doing the really horrible things—you know—it's gonna—it's gonna gonna be like just leveling the waters. It's not gonna happen overnight, but it has to be a program and with people who sincerely want to do it and not for political reasons.
1: Well, I'm gonna get in trouble for this, but I'll tell you where I think it needs to start in terms of those kind of people standing up and making a difference. Mm -hmm. It needs to start with the black citizens of this country who have made the transition and have improved their lives have gotten an education and have risen into positions of power i am not hearing from many not all but from many of those black leaders denouncing this kind of behavior
2: well i i I,
1: you're friends with you're a good friend with another radio host in Los Angeles. Or oh, Larry Elder? A big-time radio yeah, yeah, host. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's the only one that is doing that. Yeah. Where are the other people?
2: Well, you had uh, Don Baylor, who played for the Angels, who felt the same way. Uh, you know. But I think that's, it's hard for him to speak out individuals. They just have a solitary voice. And, uh, and in, in a lot of cases, you get ostracized if you're speaking out the
1: but see, there's the problem. Why would you, Why should you be ostracized? Why couldn't you say, look, you are, you are hurting all of us. Yeah. You're not just hurting the black community, you're hurting the country. Yeah. But you're especially hurting yourselves. Yeah. You're hurting your family. You're hurting your future. Why are you doing this? What's more important? What is more important? Finding a path to becoming a self-sufficient, successful person at finding something you love to do and having relationship, healthy relationships with people or, or yanking a Gucci purse out of a store.
2: Those kids that I saw and talked about, the gang members, they told me they have sunk so low that they think they could easily be killed tonight. We, we were driving no and said there'll be from three to five murders here tonight. And so those kids go out every, on the street every night thinking, I could die tomorrow. So when you, if you reach that place in life... There isn't much hope. There's There's no hope. There's not much you can build on. There's no hope. You want to go to them. And and some of those kids, there was – we'd run into occasional kids who they would rescue from that. And they – you know, inside us, we all want good. We all want – but it's somehow to reach into all those people. And they they get solace from being members of the gang. They don't get it at home. They don't get it with their parents. At one time, every family and community, there's great – no matter what your – but your ethnic background was? There was solid family: the black community, the Hispanic community, the Japanese community, the Asian community, the American community. We all, you know, and when I grew up, every one of those communities had solid parents. And I grew up with kids from all those different ethnic groups in a high school. And I told you the story that uh, uh, one of them died years later, and I went to the funeral and I looked around and I was, the, I was the only white person in the And I thought, oh my gosh, he was black. I never realized that. But that's the way we grew up because all the families were solid and we knew the kids were solid and we, we could hang with them and we have good times. And you know what's
1: the most ironic thing? Some would say that in those days, in that period of time, there was a lot of racial prejudice against minorities, more so perhaps than today, because there has been an equalizing, there has been a leveling, but guess what? I think that the racial hatred is even worse today it may not be as quiet. It may not be as silent. It may not be as under the radar. It's out and open. There is so
2: much hate. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know if there's much hatred in those days. It was, you know, we. Oh, there
1: was. There was plenty of prejudice.
2: Yeah, and especially in the South, I think. Yeah, there
1: was plenty of there was plenty of hate. It just was a, it. Somehow, somehow, though, as you as you described, all of the different ethnic communities in this area, in yeah. Los Angeles and Southern California, managed to coexist. Uh,
2: Lance Morrow was a writer, he, a brilliant writer. He writes essays that show up in the Wall Street Journal occasionally. He started out many years ago writing for Time Magazine when Time Magazine was really the great periodic that it was. And... Uh, he, I, I love his writings because other columnists in the editorial section they get political you know they have sides he he takes politics and rises above it See, he had a brilliant article the other day said you know he talked about all the hatred and everything all the past resentment he said and he said i don't know if it all happened but he says until this country gets the point where we say stop we're going to forgive somehow it's just like a family that someone murders their child and then you hear and they say well I forgive that person. I thought, how in the world could you forgive someone who murdered your child? But the deeper thing probably is, in doing so, they're able to move forward with the rest of their life. It's a painful, horrible thing. And he is saying the same thing. Until we reach the point where we quit dragging up all the past haters and just say, you know what? Forget it. It's all in the past. Now let's judge each other by what goes on in the future. He says, until that point comes, he says, we're we're doomed.
1: Well, he's right, and you're right. I think that the problem with reaching that point is there's a lot of opportunity in hate. And yes. there's a lot of money to be made in hate.
2: Yeah,
1: And we—it's the worst part of humanity. And it's really coming out strong. Unbelievable, Ron. We have to take our half-hour break. This time is going by very quickly. Um, really appreciate your input tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bruce Cook angels radio live we're live in studio the rain is falling but we're we're warm and and comfortable here uh hope you are too stay with us we'll be right back i will
3: still keep the party running i wonder how the place lately i've been moving close to the edge stupid looking my best i still i'm the p you can count on me i am missing no steps because every romance shakes and it bends don't
1: And we're back, people, radio people, radio family. we got some heavy topics tonight, but I'm going to start our second half hour with some live commercial announcements because our commercial system is not working so well here in the in the rain for some reason. Uh, two of our sponsors uh, were dropped out of the commercial segments, and I, I, I'm going to give them a, a live shout-out. Uh, one of them is the Pickup Family Neuroscience Center at Hogue Hospital Newport Beach, They are my primary sponsor here on Angels Radio, and they have been so for the last uh, three years. I'm very proud of that association. The Neuroscience Center has programs for all of Southern California, reaching out to people with all sorts of issues, including such things as dementia and Alzheimer's, uh, problems with migraines, problems with all sorts of mental illness and related things to the autoimmune system. I'm not a scientist so I'm not going to give the litany of everything that they work on but they represent the finest doctors in many of in the in the country uh, with people coming to them from all over for treatment for therapy for information so the pickup science pickup family neuroscience center Newport Beach a shout out to everyone and all the work that they do my other sponsor On radio tonight, which lost its commercial, is Balboa Island Museum on Balboa Island in Newport Beach, my two coastal sponsors. The museum is the only museum actually in Orange County right now and has been for the past 10 years. It is a small museum on Balboa Island located on Marine Avenue in the center of the tourist district, and it is a chronicler of the history of the Newport coast. It is run by a very dedicated a woman named Shirley Peppis and her family, and it is sponsored and underwritten solely by donations. 365,000, 365 days a year, it has seen more than 250,000 people through this museum who have enjoyed everything from all of the displays on the history, the people, the children, the schools, everything to do with coastal Orange County. So make sure when you're visiting Balboa Island you visit Balboa Island Museum. You can check out everything they're doing by going to balboaislandmuseum.org.
2: And we're back. And I'm not used to doing live commercials. Ron, did I do okay? Did great. And I'll echo the the neurological center that I've had some people I know that have had, had to go there. And all I know is that when they had issues, that was the one place that was talked about. I never heard anybody else ever mentioned that that's where they needed to go.
1: Well, there's a good endorsement from my co-host Ron Salisbury tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we're going to move on the conversation a little bit, and we're going to talk about um, <clears throat> we're going to talk about what is happening uh, this week. Actually, Wednesday night, ladies and gentlemen, is the Republican Party debate, the first debate which will be televised. So, the news media is saying that the front-runner Donald Trump will not show. Others have said he's thinking about it. Today, on ABC News' uh, Good Morning America, former Vice President Pence, his former uh, running mate, said he wouldn't be surprised if Mr. Trump, at the last minute, showed up, because that's how he rolls. No notice. He does it the way he wants to do it. What do you think, Ron Salisbury?
2: Well, I think that's probably the thing that works for him best. Uh, Yeah, I would certainly hope he'd be there. But uh, it would be interesting to hear the candidates. Like we say, we're not hearing anybody really say the things that needed to be said. There you go. We're going
1: to get into that. Okay. But I'm not finished with Donald Trump. He says, I don't need to go. Everybody knows me. They know what I am. They know what I stand for. They know what problems I'm facing. Yada, yada, yada. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't need to talk to all those other people because I'm the king. What do you say? No, does he seen... need
2: to? Should he need to? <laughs> he probably does need to. I think everybody pretty well has their idea of who he is, and he might have something to lose by showing up.
1: All right, let's change to the candidates that are coming up. Uh-huh. The only one so far that has been vocal, uh, very vocal and direct about Uh, Former President Trump's failures and failings has been the former governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie. Mm -hmm. He is basically, uh, actually, in today's media coverage, called him a coward for not coming.
2: Is that too strong a word? No, in this this day and age, it's not even a difficult word. Chris Christie is very impressive when he when he talks and says things. I was talking to some people from New Jersey. They said, "Oh, come on! I know him very well. He's just another New Jersey politician." So, uh, but but I I like what he says. I
1: well, he's a New Jersey politician. He was a Republican governor in a yeah. in a blue state. Yeah, he still has the baggage of that Bridgegate situation, which yeah I don't even know if people remember.
2: Yeah, I just wonder where the leaders are. You know the. Uh, I mean, Eisenhower, we had someone who led an invasion of, uh, of Europe. We had uh, Kennedy, who revitalized uh, the nation. Uh, we had uh, Reagan, who revitalized the nation. You had Nixon, who was controversial. What? He was a leader. You know, all these people, were, uh, they were strong people, and they, they had set out to do the right thing in, in most cases.
1: Are you saying we don't have that?
2: I, I honestly don't see it myself right now.
1: Do you have a Do you have a candidate in that lineup that you particularly are interested? Well, in? I
2: have a really close friend of Larry Elder. He, he and I have been friends for twenty three years, and uh, I, I, just from personally speaking, he just what you see with him is what you get. He's he's honest, and he is uh, he's not out to um, further himself. He's just a he's just a really good guy who sees. As you know, his message is that people, we need to help people lift them up. And uh, he just desperately wants to have that happen.
1: We talked about Elder in the last segment. Yeah. He doesn't have, at this point, the gravitas and the backing. No. Is he going to is he going to get better or is he just well, going to fade?
2: Well, nothing. He needs uh, I think he needs something like so many people who send in at least a dollar that to qualify the number of people who have contributed to his campaigns for it, even to put him on the uh, on the debate uh, this week. So I don't know if he'll even make that or not. But No, he
1: uh, I, he will not make that for this time, but do you think he will still have a campaign?
2: He won't give up. He, he's, he's determined to his message he, if, you, if I've known him he just if you know him from the earliest time I heard him on the radio one time when he came on as a guest at uh, KBC and I didn't know who he was he's been uh, on 30 years yeah and I called the station I said I don't know who that guy is on Saturday morning and I remember I thought I called the station I said who is that guy whoever he is you, you need to have him on there and then after he went on I thought gee as I do, I like to get to know some people who are fascinating. And I wrote him a letter, and I said, come on, let's have lunch. And he took me up on it. So
1: so that was his job security from the beginning, that call you made. <laughs> I'm not getting that call. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen out there, call.
2: Call in. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you know me, but I, uh, I, I, have, I like really good, solid people, and I can't stand people in my life who are in <laughs> any way but that. A friend of mine once said, someone came by, and he said, that person just came by. You don't like them, you said, well, Why tell. do you say that? And he says, "I can, I can, I can tell. tell with you." I can and, tell. And uh, Larry is a solid. Uh, I, I treasure the relationship and friendship. I wouldn't. I wouldn't if he was a bad person. Tim Scott, the other
1: Black mm-hmm. American yeah. politician leader, who's in that mix more so than Larry, he will be on the debate stage. Right. Again, I want to say, why hasn't Tim Scott? raised his voice about all of the things we've been talking about tonight in terms of the underclass black problems and the gangs and the shoplifting and all of these problems. Because I guarantee you, and I'm not afraid to say it, everybody who's watching that happen is becoming more prejudiced.
2: Yeah. Uh, For some reason, everybody running for political office now feels there's some kind of message, which is the wrong message they have to address. They don't address the real issues. In your view, top three issues? I think uh, that we have to address the fact that the the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. We have to address education. I don't know if this is the top three. I think Uh, you're pretty good. And we have to set some high moral standards for the country. Like, you know, I just read the book 1776, and that's just about the one year. And what those people went through, I, you know, here's these guys fighting in in the war in the snow, and they didn't have shoes, and they're standing in the snow. Those are people who are dedicated for what they believed in, and I don't know if we believe in anymore.
1: I think your top three are great. Thank you. The rich richer, the poor poorer. I had a conversation with a Forbes 400 business executive who sits on big company boards all over the country. Mm -hmm. And I asked him the same question. I said, what is the problem we have now? What's the one thing? He said that very same thing. And he said, and I'm not going to give his name out because I'll get a call. (laughs) He (laughs) said, the problem is so intense with that divide of income security that this country could be headed for some sort of very severe social and economic revolution that's number one you're absolutely right education is number two and i don't care what kind of education it is our our education system is really in trouble not everybody needs to go to college and rack up a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt that they can't repay whatever happened to education in all kinds of ways you you have education in all of your restaurants you take people without college degrees and they they learn.
2: Well, I feel that we are, uh, the business we're in, we're just another form of someone's ongoing education. You've been to formal education, K through 12. You've maybe gone to college. And uh, what we do, I have a, a reading program. I I'd like to read a lot. And I've read some books, I think, really change your your way to your view life. And uh, I pay that everybody works for us, either $100, $50, 25 dollars depending on the size of the book, if they read the book and then write me a two-page article, paper about what they learn from the book. And to me, I just want to stimulate them to read and learn, because once you read a book, it does change your life. Uh, we're going to Next year, after we get through the anniversary, we're going to do something where we create some scholarships for the kids, for a lot of people who work for us, to go to college. We're going to give an award for someone to fulfill their dream. If there's someone you wanted to climb Mount Everest, we're going to sponsor it. Then we're going to say, you know, if there's some dream you have, don't just let it lay dormant. Pursue it and go after it. And the other one is going to be that, um, let's see – Oh, that you do! You help out. Because I run in a lot of people who have these, you know, they have groups that go down to Guatemala and they dig water wells, and we're going to pay some of our people to go down and be part of that and then come back and share with uh, our people and then what they've experienced, I think. So hopefully we're some for sort of, and besides the fact, hopefully we're teaching them discipline and good work habits and how to treat people. So hopefully we're continuing education for people.
1: It is very important, and what you just said about Learning to be responsible with work habits and and how to how to be part of a team—it's all very important—and mm-hmm. and we have lost a lot of that. Uh, but a lot of people are trying to change it, so we best not be too pessimistic. But it sure does look bad right now. Um, with that, it's time to go back to the commercial break. I may have to do them again because they may not show up. But, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure glad you're on the air with us listening tonight to myself and to ron Uh, we're having a great time i hope you're safe at home stay with us we got another segment and we're going to make that one the close of the show and it's going to be it's going to be uplifting i promise
3: We'll have it all As part of the Pickup Family Neurosciences Institute, Hoag's NeuroSpine program offers innovative methods to reduce pain, inflammation, and improve mobility safely and effectively, often without surgery. Should you need surgery, Hoag is a leader with minimally invasive techniques, 3D imaging, and robotics to restore your golf swing or your swing dance. Many of our patients go home in just a few hours walking the very next day. Call our dedicated nurse navigator at 949-537-2931 for an evaluation or visit hoag.org forward slash spine
1: I do feel like dancing because even if it's raining, I ain't complaining. That's what the song says. What do you say, Ron? Are we complaining tonight?
2: <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but probably rightly so.
1: Absolutely rightly so, because I can't wait for Wednesday night. I can't wait no. for this debate. I want to see what what stands out and see if there's any hope for change. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Listen, we're going to change subjects. I promised we would end on an upbeat. Okay. You have a program this year, your 100th anniversary for your family-owned El Cholo restaurant chain. You want to raise a million dollars to give to uh to both uh, Children's Hospital Los Angeles and Children's Hospital Orange County, for kids suffering from cancer. Correct. Talk to me.
2: Well, we—it's—it uh, it's, was wonderful to celebrate this hundredth anniversary. And it was a lot of, and we've gotten a lot of great uh, exposure, and it's given me a chance to review what our history has been like, and it's pretty really kind of refreshing. But then I thought it—it's a great opportunity to hopefully to do something real be outside ourselves and I flippantly threw out well uh, oh, we'll just raise a million dollars for pediatric cancer research my son said to me well a hundred thousand be easier dad and I said yeah it would but uh, it's not that easy to raise a million dollars I'm finding out so we're we're doing a lot of different things uh, to do it uh, one of the biggest things that we positive we could do half of that could be raised simply at El cholo, if you've been there the high back wooden booths are the iconic part of the restaurant. Everyone sits in those high back wooden booths. They're old and going back to the 30s. And so I thought, why don't we take 100 booths and auction off naming rights. You put permanently endow one of those booths with your name or whoever you want to name it for for $5,000. And immediately they had about 20 people took me up, but they were friends. Now now we're going to find out.
1: You've if run that. out of friends. <laughs> yeah. At so. least friends with $5,000.
2: <laughs> so uh, anyway, so we are just now this week launching in general to the restaurant all the people. And uh, it's interesting because uh, we thought, well, well, maybe we can name a margarita for someone. And we tossed that out on Western Avenue. And a gentleman came in the first week, and it was $25,000 to name a margarita to be on our menu. And he came in, he said, it was a very touching story. He said, uh, you know, my wife and I used to eat here twice a week. And he says uh, she unfortunately passed away. And, and he says, I, I have that money. And he said, I can't think of a better way to, than to donate it to this cause and at the same time come in, like I do, still once a week and see her name on something on the menu. So we raised 25 there. That was easy. Uh, we put a jellyfish aquarium in at the, at the cannery and— uh, it's kind of. I flippantly thought, well, we'll give naming rights for $100,000. The first person I ran to, a friend of mine, he said, what are you doing? I started telling the story. He says, I'll take it. And he said, I, I represent a family who uh, they want to invest their money in, in doing good. And he said, that's a good reason. So yeah, that was one hundred twenty-five. dollars but yeah, we're still a ways to go. So
1: You're a ways to go, but nobody gives up. No. Nobody gives up. No,
2: we're not. We won't give up till we get it. It may take next year to finish. It's okay, but well, we'll get it.
1: There'll still be kids that need pediatric cancer research yeah, absolutely. and therapy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's great. And and what's interesting to me also is your restaurant chain El Cholo in particular has catered to everything that we've talked about tonight about all of society. You serve meals to working-class people, and you serve meals to billionaires and everything in between, and you always have. It is really a microcosm of everything we said needs to be right about how we fix the disparity in the income situation that is tearing this country apart.
2: No, it's true. You will have people come in on welfare and say Rolls Royces, and it's just they all mingle. I don't know any other restaurant that all these people come and share when they had the 94 riots we were closed because we were shut down during the, uh, the, you know, the riots going on. First day we reopened, I looked around and all these people were back in. I looked around, all this here was a vast mixture of all the people in Los Angeles were all there, happy to come back and dine together. And it was, uh, yeah, I I'm fortunate because I, if we had a restaurant that we dealt only with the very wealthy, that's all I'd be running, and some of them can get kind of boring, and. Uh, but I get to meet all kinds of people from all walks of life, and it's, it's uh, very rewarding, very gratifying, and uh, I, I enjoy it. We only have a
1: few minutes left, but I'm going to see if we can give away a gift certificate in our last few sure. minutes. Okay, listeners, what's the most popular thing on the El Cholo menu? Is it the enchilada, a taco, or a chili relleno? Enchilada, taco, or chili relleno, what's the most popular Mexican item? And uh, not dish, because they have dishes that have combinations. But of those three items, what do people order most? You've got two minutes to call in, and you'll get a $50 gift certificate to El Cholo's. If nobody's listening and doesn't want to call in, I'm going to take the gift certificate, ladies and you know gentlemen. Call, I have the answer. I know what it is because I go there all the time. Seven one four two eight thirty eight thirty. We got fifty dollars on the line. Anyway, back to you, Ron, and see if anybody calls. Um, after this debate on Wednesday, do you think it's going to change anybody's opinion on the election, or are we so so entrenched in whether we're, you know, Biden? For another term, or Trump for another term, is it going to change anybody's opinion?
2: I kind of think so. I don't think people, my, you know, my younger generation, they they don't even watch television anymore. So, good point. Yeah, good point. So it's just the uh, it's the it's people talking. Unfortunately, it's we have to have a serious debate. You know, and we we are in crisis, just like uh, again when we launched our our rockets to the moon. That was a crisis, and we responded. Guess what? We got a caller. Good. We got a caller. Oscar, who's calling?
1: He's gonna get him in a second, it was until he does. Rockets to the moon. And that's why everything's gonna turn out okay, Iran. Yeah. Ron, because because even though things are terrible, science, intelligent humanity will always make things better somehow, some way. I believe so. Okay, Jason. Jason's on the phone. Jason, where are you? Where are you calling from? Hey, I'm calling in from uh, Rancho Cucamonga. How are you? We love Rancho Cucamonga. <laughs> what item is most ordered? Enchilada, taco, or chili relleno? Hey, listen, I'm thinking it's a uh, chili relleno. What do you say, Ron? Is it a chili relleno?
2: I'm sorry to tell you, you're wrong. Although, although that's my favorite. <laughs> That's our favorite. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry, Jason. But no, no, you,
1: you, you, may, you, you may have mentioned it earlier. I wasn't listening, but um, Chili Riano is my favorite, so I thought I'd go with
2: it. Well, we appreciate it. You better go to the nearest El Cholo and have one. See, not everybody has a good taste. You and I do.
1: There you go. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Thanks. Our show time is up, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we've only got another minute or so to go. How do you want to end our conversation tonight, Ron?
2: On an upbeat. Upbeat for sure. <laughs> that I, I believe in mankind that we can really, uh, we're positive. We always, we've conquered things like we did in, in the Revolutionary War. We've When the time comes, and I think we'll put our minds together and, and lick this thing. This country's too great a country in mean, what we've, the foundation, so we've got a good basis.
1: We can't let our division tear us apart. No it's just silly people we've got to figure out how to come together and as ron said we believe it's possible what do you think we'll talk about this more on angels radio days weeks months to come i'm bruce cook it's been a great conversation with my co-host ron (laughs) go to el go to el cholo go to the cannery go to his restaurant louis in newport beach Bring him a check for $5,000. He needs to raise a million bucks for children's pediatric cancer research. What better way can you spend $5,000? Anyway, it's been an honor and a privilege to be on air tonight. Always appreciate it. You all take care all week long and come back again next Sunday for The Conversation. Good night. For oh, you and
3: for me and the
0: You've been listening to the Bruce Cook Conversation. Hear the Bruce Cook Conversation on Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific on AM 830 KLAA. And hear the podcasts of every show on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio
3: Public.